One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash-switch. Forty-five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, it's Graham. Welcome to a classic big interview. This time, we go back to season sixteen, seventeen. This is what I had to say about it back then. Thankfully, you're about to listen to part two of the big interview with Phil Neville. If you haven't caught part one yet, come on, come on, come on, keep up. You might want to do that. It's good. Not me, him. In this one, you're going to hear all about how Phil decided to take on a new life in Spain, largely thanks to an extremely brave and interesting decision that his son made and what the family has learned since then. If you're interested in the complex differences between football culture in Spain and Britain, then you couldn't wish for a better guide than this one. If you like this big interview and our other ones, you can rate and review them on iTunes. What that does is it helps other football fans find this show. Finally... When Phil and I met up in hotel football, he was promoting Class of 92 out of our league. You may be watching the very funny and interesting detailed BBC series, and the book is out now. It's a pretty unique story in football, told brilliantly by the Neville brothers, Nicky Butt, Ryan Giggs, Paul Scholes, and the author, my friend, Rob Draper. Buy it. You'll enjoy it. Here comes Phil. He's awful good. that you uh, have got this added experience now is, is a tremendous desire that you always had. The first time we ever met was, oh, I'm not really carrying the shape that I had then, in the Hilton gym. <laughs> Hilton gym. We had a quick chat about football and you pointed out the window down to the Cervantes Institute. Yeah. It's sitting there looking at me because I've always promised myself I'll go and learn Spanish. And the call came from Valencia and you went there completely independently of what would happen subsequently with Nuno being sacked and so on. Yeah. Before we talk about the football, this is not a minimal point, and it fits into the sort of mindset and the discipline that you're talking about, whether it's Harvey or the Spanish kids. I think it's become a cliche that the Neville family succeed because they work hard and get up early mm. and all that kind of stuff. Mm. It's very easy to talk about, but it's much harder to do. Your Spanish is very good, I know. I don't know if you noticed him around or met him, but Jockey Bjorkland, who used to play for yeah, Sunderland yeah, yeah. Rangers He's and Jensen. He's closest, yeah. Well, Jockey's a fabulous friend of mine, and when I went down for what was the... Gary just arrived and you put a youth game against, I think, a French side. It's a youth Champions League game, uh, maybe against Lyon. 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 Lyon, yeah. And I, w- I went for a coffee afterwards, joking. He said, Gary's got a hard 
road to follow because Phil's around the training and already teaching in Spanish, talking to all the parents in Spanish. He said, mm. he's learned Spanish quicker than I did. He was glowing with his praise. And I remember when you went away, you know, there was a Spanish, you, you kind of like a goodbye letter to the... First of all, before we talk about the football, what was exactly the process of learning Spanish? Because it's, it's brutally hard to work, to be a coach, to be taking sessions, to be coming home knackered in a new country, a hot country, getting up at your time of day, yeah. and then saying to your brain, now start learning. It's a bugger. How did you do it? Break down a day a d- or a, a day. week? A day. Well, I did two hours a day with a teacher for five days a week. An extra hour of homework or revision. So that was three hours a day, five days a week. Plus weekends, I would revise. Any gym session, I would take my books in with me. I would make friends within the city and say, for instance, the player liaison officer used to go to a little cafe restaurant in, in a place called Liliana, and I used to go and have half an hour with him. Did I like the blog? Yeah, he was a nice guy, but it was just to speak Spanish. Get you out, get, you know, sometimes you go home, you speak English and you, you lose little bits. Get, put yourself into that situation. And, and literally, it was relentless. Then when it started getting better and I started to coach more, because the first month Nuno was really good, he just said, look, watch, do little bits with individuals, take little shooting sessions, but I'm not going to throw you into a group session because you can't speak the language, which was, which was fair enough. Frustrating, but fair enough. Then when I started to get a little bit of the verb structure and could start understanding a little bit more and then started to have a lesson at 7.30 till quarter past eight in the morning just on my session for the day useful words for training useful words for the session that I was doing it might only be a 10-15 minute session passing drill but I wanted that to be in Spanish so for 45 minutes with my teacher we would only do football terminology for my session Mm -hmm. so that maybe three times a week so that was 45 minutes in the morning and two hours on proper Spanish in the afternoon. So that's how we ended up doing it. Then when Gary came, that became seven o'clock in the morning till eight on literally Spanish and then two hours in the afternoon again. So it was brutal. And people say, have you played golf? Have you been to restaurants? No. What have you been doing? Learning Spanish. There's no time, is there? No time. And, and it burns, I mean, no matter how determined you are, it burns your brain out. You know, at one point, you're knackered. Nuno pulled me to one side after about two and a half months. He said, you're going to have to slow down. Mm-hmm. Because you're actually burning yourself out mm-hmm. and you're actually, the Spanish you're learning is not sinking in. You're doing that much that you're not giving yourself time to breathe, to relax, assimilate, take yep. it all in. Yep. So, so after about two and a half months, I had, I think I had about three or four days off. And then when I came back, we went back a month and went back over the stuff that we'd done. My wife, who's a student, she kicked on. So we started separating our lessons because ultimately, me and my wife did it together. It was socially, it was really good for us both because we yeah. enjoyed it. We had a laugh. Yeah. We, you know, I'm a bit of a joker. She's serious, so we'd take the Mickey. I'd sometimes copy her homework. She had the advantage of, of dealing with the phone installation guy and the gas Some guy. Well, so day I remember one. you telling me in the Mastaya one day she's kicking on because she's day one. She, she was, was all the idiots. She, she was deep into it. You know, she was dealing <laughs> with the house, the everything. So the kids were at school, so they were looked after. Really, they, they had independent lessons on a Friday night but uh, apart from that it was it's just been relentless and we went to America in the summer and we went for three and a half weeks so we said right three and a half weeks no Spanish yeah two days into the holiday we google Spanish teachers in LA (laughs) so two hours every day in LA on our holidays we had a Spanish teacher and it's become I think we're obsessed with it but we're obsessed with it in a good way I want to ask, because obviously you've learned it because of determination, because of mm. professionalism, because it was absolutely vital for, to fulfil your, um, your dream of working there. 
Let's take that aside. Just Spanish as a language. What do you think of it? Do you like it? Or have you got favourite words? Is this going out in Spain? <laughs> no, okay, no, okay, no, okay, no. No, I shall listen you know, to it because if, if I can learn Spanish, which I've done it in quite a crude way yeah. over my years there, anybody can. But when I play about with little phrases that I like, there are favourite words of mine, there are expressions I say. Yeah. Like, they, we can swear on a podcast, but I'm not going to swear because the Spaniards swear all the time. One of the big shocks to me when we went to Barcelona was see grannies and a granddad in the street just mildly perturbed and we'd be saying, for goodness sake or heaven's sake yeah, yeah. or what the heck's that? And they'd be going, ostras or ostia. They, they use the worst. Right, so on the, on the <laughs> academy game, ostia, puta madre, ostia. No, <laughs> they don't actually mean it as bad, you know but they, they swear like nobody's business. Like the Spanish language has given me something that no other thing in life has given me. It's given me more confidence to speak because yeah. it's an expressive language. Very, You've very. got to... You can't just look at your arms down your side. You've got to express <laughs> your... It's a very emotive... They're emotional people. I'm beginning to find them work out where I've fitted in in and, Spain. And you have to express yourself. You have to be strong in what you're saying. It's a beautiful language to speak. When, I think so. When I hear my children speak Spanish, I actually get emotional because I think... Yeah. Do you know what? That is beautiful. They're speaking another language, they're conversing in another language, and it's, it's a bloody difficult language to learn. The different tenses, the different verb structures, stems to each verb. Do you know the thing, that, as you, if, you, if you ever go back, because you, you've revised in Spanish and gone backwards, if you ever go back to English and look at it, and look what we ask the Spanish to do, with the, the way that we know what our words are supposed to, yeah. you know, breakthrough should be breakthrough. Or yeah. Yeah. That's why the Spanish say all our words are far more it's funny difficult. when Leicester won the league and hearing them say, like, I just don't <laughs> say, yeah. you know, they, they none of them have got no, a clue about Leicester. You know, there was, there was a guy that stayed in, in, uh, in England that Sean spelled S E A N C AN. You know what I mean? And it's funny. Because the Spanish say what they see. So all I would say, I agree with your grammar point. Yeah. But some of the words in Spain, you just see what you see, which is kind of cool. Definitely. And you know what? I love the language. I'm obsessed with the language. I think it's a beautiful tool. Uh, you know, my goal now, I'm living out in Spain still now for a year. Great. Is to be absolutely fluent. Mm-hmm. And, and my teacher is fantastic because I'm a bit lazy. I, <laughs> I'm a bit lazy in terms of. Can we just cut that bit? My Spanish. Uh, I cut corners in my Spanish. Uh, How you speak? Speaking. Yeah. Well, you're going to be a Spaniard in that case. Because my teacher wants me to speak perfect because in two years' time, she wants me to be able to work for Spanish TV in Russia in 2018. And she's. You know what I mean? And she, but she wants me to have the basis of... If you want to be able to Spanish. communicate to the Spaniards, keep cutting corners no. because they'll run it together. It's yeah. machine gun fast. Definitely. They pronounce words badly yeah. themselves, I'm talking And about. differently. And, oh, yeah. You know, but I actually... That's my goal. In 2018, Russia, I want to be working for Spanish TV at that yeah, time. Yeah, I yeah, want to be yeah. speaking Spanish. Look, I've done interviews in Spanish now. Uh, I've done three. And the goal is for this year to kick it on another level. You know what I mean? So... Look, I'm not perfect by any means. I understand most things, I read most things, and I speak pretty well. But I've still got, I think, another 40% to go. And it's practising. We've got a you know, terrifically astute football mind. And, and what both of us really want to try to understand is what you've seen in Spain in terms of coaching that has made you in, in class of 92 out of our league you made a really good a really interesting point about seeing an English team at 14 playing in a tournament with their Spanish teams and English players are at least as good and you raise the question and you say so why is it that in the past by the time they're 18 the Spanish players will be better in inverted commas maybe not raw better in their, in their innate 
attitude or playing ability, but technically and tactically they'll be more intelligent, they'll have more experience, and you project forward that that might well be happening in four years' time. What have you seen in Spain from your experience that tells us what it is specifically Mm. that they do differently to make their raw product into better footballers? The cultures in Spain, I say they put more meat on the ball. They stop a session and coach. They don't waste a minute in a session. If a pass is behind someone, they'll correct it. They'll correct the body shape. They'll correct an angle. They'll correct the little things. Without the little things, you know, people say, oh, how, come you, how come today we didn't get any flow in our passing? You know what? Sometimes to keep possession, maybe it's just a change of body shape. Maybe it's just a change of body angle. Maybe it's just a change of position. In how you receive the ball. In how you receive the ball. Okay. Maybe it's a change of position, the third man that's going to receive the ball, the, the angles that you create for each other. And, you know, they have... We, we, we call it a, a box in England, they, they call it a rondo in Spain. They coach in the rondos, they coach looking one way, passing the other. They coach using different parts of the feet to pass on, practicing your left foot, your right foot, outside the right foot. They don't waste a minute in any session to teach, to learn, to coach. And like I say, they put detail into it, they think long and hard about it. There's never a session where you think, ah, we're just going to have a jog around, five aside, and off you go. No, every session has a meaning. And every session has a direction. Every session has meat on the ball. That's what I've tried to add to my planning. It might be a possession where you put little goals in or little directions in or the shapes and angles of goals, positioning of lines on the pitch, position of players. It's just more detail. Does that degree of being able to intervene and educate and teach better come from having different original objectives from either the the footballing culture or the club or the coaches saying... We want them to achieve this, this and this compared to maybe what some of our academies or what Lillishaw used to or our clubs or whatever semi-professional coaches have as their original objective. Because it seems to me is if the process that you've described, which is interventionist, it's teaching, you need to have clear original goals and maybe better original goals Mm. are the things that are driving what you've seen I think a lot of the players at 12 uh, in Spain probably wouldn't get into academy football in England because of the, the size. Yeah, they wouldn't. Of course they, they wouldn't. wouldn't. You're right. They wouldn't. But, no, there's a couple of players in, in my son's team that are actually the tiny, the midgets. But they're actually earmarked already to be first-team players. They're, mm-hmm. they're actually... You're talking about an eight-year plan for these players. Sure. Why? Well, he can control the ball. He can pass. He's got good intelligence. He takes up good positions on the pitch. He's a good boy. He's well-mannered. He's got a chance to be a footballer. Yeah, but he's only, he's only three foot. <laughs> yeah, but... If you look at his dad, his dad's probably five foot ten. He'll get there. It might be 17, 18, but he'll get there. Jordi Alba, uh, Jose Gaia, they're, they're all tiny. Jose Gaia was a, as a centre forward. Ga- Gaia can play as well. Gaia can Gaia really can play. play. Gaia can play. Gaia's got. Gaia's got. And, and, and he was doing what you're doing because he was doing three hours there and back from yeah. Alicante, age thirteen, with his homework in the van Monday, in the car. Monday morning. Monday afternoon, we went to a place called Tavernes, which is about 50 minutes from Valencia. Harvey's best friend in his team travels every day on a bus from Taverna to Paterna. Gets Paterna, their Valencia training ground. The, the, the yep, Valencia yep, yep. training ground. And we were driving to this place, and it was like 50 minutes away. It was right on the, on, on the beach. He said, dear me, four times a week he does this. So he gets home from school, gets changed, gets on a bus, does his homework on the bus, gets to the training ground, trains, gets on another bus... Goes home, gets home for half past 11, has his dinner, mm. goes to bed, gets up at 6 o'clock the next day to do his homework. That's four times a week. Oh, that's that. That's real life. Mm. 
Mum and dad were, we went to his, his mum and dad's restaurant. Mum and dad never watch him play. Why? Because they're working yeah. in Spain. You eat late. Don't yeah. close till two o'clock. Next day, get up, etc. Uh, desayuno, almuerzo, which is breakfast and snack, and and it's 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 conveyor belt. They can't get in a car. They got he's got to get on a bus. It's real life. The the accommodation that the boys sleeping at at the training ground is. You won't put your mother-in-law in it. It's not palatial. It's two bunk beds, four in a room. So it's basic. Basic. But it's not brutal, is it? No, it's not brutal, but it's basic. It's not, it's not what the kids in England have to put up with. They wouldn't put up with. You ah. wouldn't want them to put up with it. Well, well, which of those? They wouldn't put up with it or you wouldn't want them to put up with it? A bit of both. Because it goes back to your... It, it goes right back to Otis Gibson bullying you at bouncer age 11 without a helmet. Yeah. It does. Yeah, but when Otis Gibson, when the call came to go and play for the first team because somebody hadn't turned up, my mum went, go. <laughs> Deep end. That's a special. Deep end. No, mum. I'm only 10. I'll play for the third team, second team. You're playing for the first team. This is a chance. They don't want to play. You go and show Get out there and stuff them. I don't want to do mum. You get out there. This is the making of you now. Because would you accept that you grew up with, with, or did you? I don't want to frame the question, but I certainly grew up thinking that Spanish culture, Spanish football culture in particular, and I'm a lot older than you, you felt they were soft. Yeah. You felt like they were a little bit milk-fed. Most of them hadn't travelled. When they started to come over here originally, whether it was Moriente, it's not Geisca, they didn't like it up in Captain Manry. Yet you go and lift a lid about the Spanish football culture, and there's, there's determination, there's values, they work brilliantly hard. If I was skills. a Spaniard, I wouldn't like to live in England. <laughs> I wouldn't. Because it's a shock. It's a shock. The culture's totally different. The weather, the weather. I mean, if if, if it gets to 18, 16, 18 degrees in Valencia, they've all got coats on. Yeah. If it gets to eighteen degrees here, we're all at Blackpool Beach or or at Southend, sunbathing with our t-shirts on. And I come back now, and if there's a cloud in the sky like there is today, I feel a, a little bit like down. Yeah, totally. I feel down, and, and I can't wait to get back to Valencia. People, when I try to explain to people originally. You're like, oh, I've had a tough week. And they're like, yeah, but you're in Barcelona, you can sunbathe. Whoa, I didn't come for the sunbathing. But secondly, after you're there for a little while, maybe a month or two, it isn't about the actual heat or the sunshine. No. It is about light the light. The morning, blue sky feeling, oh, the, the, the day's got potential. Light. I like this. If you think about it, the, they don't have lunch till three o'clock. Mm-hmm. They don't have tea, well, tea, they don't have dinner till nine, ten. Oh, yeah. I mean, in England... 5.30, I'm at my grandma's house having me, me hot pot. At 7 o'clock, I'm preparing for bed. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? At yeah. 7 o'clock, they're just getting home from work. And, and you know, I've got a lot of friends in Valencia. And, and you know, what time are we going out for dinner tonight? <laughs> eight? Eight? Eight at the latest? Eight? Was this, eight, I'm going, I'm at the gym. Was this the biggest cultural clash that you had over there? Yeah, the, without a shadow of a doubt. Bedtime and late two, night eating. two massive cultural was the actual late nights, the later night, the day being a bit later. And two timekeeping punctuality. Yeah, which, punctuality which is, is bordering on an absolute <laughs> joke. You know, ten o'clock. Ten o'clock. Your electrician comes to your house doesn't mean ten o'clock. It means when he wants to come to your exactly. house. And you know what? It takes you two, three months to get used to that. But once you get into that frame, the electrician's coming Monday morning. Okay, no problem. If he comes in the morning, no problem. Afternoon. When he comes. Hola, que tal, muy bien. That, that change must have cost you a little bit because it's very stressful. If you kind of set your timetable in your head yeah. and you've got a full day and the guy says, be there hey, look, at 10 I'm, and he means I'll be there next July. I'm, I'm German. I'm robotic. <laughs> I'm sort of like, if, if it's 10 o'clock, I'm there at 9.45. I'm, I'm there opening the gates for people. It's, it's a standing joke. So when I used to go to the training ground and it was my first day at the training ground, it was 10 o'clock start, half past seven I was in. 
no one was there. <laughs> What's going on here? This is, this is amateur. Oh, half eight, people start coming in, go upstairs, having breakfast, thinking we'll prepare the session. Quarter past nine, Nuno comes in, has a cigarette, has, has a drink, and, and you're thinking, come on, I'd be out on the training ground now, so I'd be setting up my cones. I'd, you know, Brian Kidd, when you rolled up the training ground in your car at, uh, an hour before training, he liked you to see that the, the session was done. Tranquil, Phil, tranquil, relax, relax. You'll give yourself an heart attack. You'll go grey, I'm going grey, I'm going grey, worrying about you. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So it was... Uh, <laughs> It, it was an absolute... But now, look, I've, I've not changed in terms of my punctuality. That, that, that is something that's ingrained in me, but there's a little bit of a calmness. And uh, the Spaniards don't like you to get uptight. They don't like you to, to be shouting and bawling, to raise no. your voice. You know, I think they like calmness. They work better under that kind of environment. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f? Are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for a limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. There's two phases left because we're going to let you go and play football in a minute. There's two phases, but we have to... We, we can't cover it all. But, you know, I was really shocked and disappointed about two things. The reception... Now you, the reception for you was, I think, markedly different from what I could see at Valencia. From the fans, from the media. Yeah. I think originally you were um, accepted and, and understood and the appreciation really grew. Gary's arrival seemed to me, both in Spain and in Britain, to invoke, in my opinion... Mm. A wave of jealousy, yeah. and in some cases, bitterness yeah. and nastiness, I yeah. thought, is, yeah. is my I strong perception. It made totally me very agree. angry. Totally agree. How, how, how do you assess that? I've got to say, from day one, and it's probably the reason why I'm still living in Valencia, is that I, I, I feel a Valenciano. They accepted me, they took me to the hearts, the players did, the, the staff did. I think it's because... I committed to them, mm-hmm. and I think that's important. You've got to commit to the, you know it's, it's a passionate, passionate city where they don't have many tourists. They like their own. They don't like outsiders coming in and breaking their, their, their you know, their party. So 
you know, and they think they, they, they actually deep down they think they should be kind of winning the title every two or three years. Yeah, yeah they yeah, really yeah, think yeah, they're a great club. expectation, but actually, I love that. Yeah. I love expectation. I love, I love. You know, it's Ferguson. You know, where do you want to go on your holidays? Do you want to go to Blackpool? Or do you want to go to the, uh, to the to the moon? You know, if you, if you if you reach for the stars, you get you know all that business. So they want the best. And they expect the best, mm-hmm. and that's why they've got so many. They've had so many managers because you can't deliver. They get rid of get rid of another one. But particularly when Gary came, one, it was a surprise, one hundred percent in Spain, mm-hmm. because the, you know normally when a manager comes in, you can see it happening. Yeah, that came from nowhere. Yeah, that came from left field, further than left field. In England, it was. I hope he fails. I think it, that's very was, strongly what it came was. Out. <laughs> Let's see what he's got now. He's been, you know, and all that business and. You know, I, I've just come off my coaching course and, and one of the things that I've learned from my coaching course is that as English coaches, I think we've got to stick together a little bit more and support each other a little bit more. Yeah. And I think people were happy he didn't succeed, both in the media, both in football. When he went back to Sky the other night on Monday Night Football, I think there were people waiting to have a go. And after the show, I text one of the producers of Sky, who's a good friend, and I said, I think that's just put people back in the boxes for a little bit. Brilliant. because. Yeah. Because ultimately, people think disaster. People think unbelievable disaster Gary had in Valencia. Well, results, yes. But do you know what? I think he affected the culture of the club. I think the decisions they're making now are effect of what the plans and things that Gary were implementing anyway. To actually take your first job in Valencia, I think it took a lot of courage. Was he ever going to succeed? It was going to be very difficult for him to succeed. There's, there's, man- there's Spanish managers not succeeding in that football club. Mm-hmm. The manager now has got the toughest job in football to succeed they speak Spanish mm-hmm. so I think he left a legacy in the football club I think a lot of people every time we lost were happy but that's normal I think when you're successful in life you're there to be shot at Gary accepted that he knew it when he took the job but in terms of a life experience for Gary I think it changes all outwork, outlook on life but I'm telling us a little bit about both of you because I watched I think there were some players there who were like however they spoke publicly who are like, we'll see these two foreigners off. I didn't see right. proper that, attitude and effort that from a handful club. of players who kind of... But that football club, Graham... Turned you over. There is a, probably a nucleus of six or seven staff that have been there for the last 20 years that when you actually walk in the door for the first time, they give you a look of, you'll be gone soon. Sure. Don't worry about yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> We've yeah. seen this before. Yeah. And you, oh, yeah, we're doing this, we're doing that. Yeah, 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 yeah. The last manager did that, and the one before that, Kuma yeah. did that, Unai Emery did that, Ranieri did that, uh, Houdin did. You know, all these managers, the great managers that they've had, they've all, they've all been, they've all gone. They look at you with that look of, you'll be gone soon. Yeah, they, they, they nod at you. You know, and they need to change that culture. That's exactly they right. They need to change that culture. It's almost, like, it's almost like a cancer within the football club, really. Mm. That kind of thinking. You know what I mean? So, as long as you accept that, and I think, I think the philosophy that the thought process I had when I left and when Gary left was that actually, it was inevitable really. As much as I wanted it to continue, it was always probably a pipe dream to say I was going to stay longer than a year because, look, if Gary had to come in, I probably would have been gone in November when Nuno went. Mm-hmm. So, the last thing then has to be that if you, if you, the, the joy you take out of Spanish culture, Harvey learning Spanish, the full family experience in Spain, another year there at least. The enjoyment out of Salford has mm. to be a clearer enjoyment. Mm. And it comes out, in, in, out of our league, the book. If you're more involved regularly, if you're, I know that you're, as a group, it's not direct hands-on and interview, intervening with the chief executive or the coaches, but how are you going to get the satisfaction that you'd like to get 
from that distance? Is this just a temporary thing so that you can imagine yourself in your own game plan? In two, three years, the software project will still be expanding. It'll still be important to me and I might be back. Or do you have to learn... In Salford? Yes, in the Salford's club. going to be there for the next 20 years. I'm thinking about your satisfaction, your what you can bring from what you've learned to that project. Well, I, I don't think any of us will ever be the manager of Salford. No. Okay. We, we learned that in the first year when we I took a little bit of the training. You can't mix the two. You can't mix the two. You, you're either an owner or you're a, a coach or a manager. You can't mix the two. But we're, we're thinking pretty long-term with Salford. This is something that we're going to have periods in our lives where we're going to be doing different projects, doing different things in our own individual careers. This is the only stable thing that we've got in our life. This is like our mum and dad, if you know what I mean. They're always there. You go off wherever you're on, but they're always there. They're your foundation. Salford is our foundation, and Salford is something that we probably get more enjoyment than anything else we do. Last night, watching FC United versus Salford, stood on that banking. There's a pureness and a, and a, a feeling that you, you cannot recreate. You're doing well in the FA Cup last year, going, going up again. You know, we, we, we never envisaged to go up twice in two seasons. We'd plan maybe one every two or three seasons. Now, we want it again. It's that old Fergie mentality, you know, you mm-hmm. win one, you want another. You win another, you want another, another. So, so we're now, we're, every time we win something else and be more successful, we want things quicker and quicker. And the club is growing probably quicker than we can handle it, maybe at times, in terms of the administration, the fan base. I mean, we've gone from 80 people to 2,000 people in two years' time. That is some growth. That mm-hmm. is some, and we've got 14 committee members doing it all for nothing. Tickets, shirt sales, bars and everything. And we've got proper big clubs coming to our ground now. <laughs> parking facilities stadiums this is beyond just picking a it's a business management masters you're doing definitely and, and, and say if we're going into management now we actually know how, how, how to treat the owner because you've got to work the owner you pick the owner now not you the manage upwards don't you, you manage upwards because you he's the one that's going to uh, hire or fire you so you're better off manage upwards than managing downwards so we actually know what owners are looking for now they, one they don't want to be we don't want all our money spent. We don't want to be ripped off. We want honesty. We want integrity. We want somebody who's going to work hard. So it's, it's, it's a great experience. And for the group you've got there, you're going to fight against short-termism as well. 100%. Which is a cancer of football. 100% short-termism. I, I get the feeling that, um, not just because you said you're going to play football, but because the crowds are arriving in the room, that we're coming towards a close. The long, the long and short of it, then, that I want to get out of this is, um, if you could have the choice of involving yourself and accelerating that Salford growth and success and mm. fun in the next two, three years. Or you could achieve a coaching role in a Spanish club over the next two, three years yeah. to reinvest what you've learned, to fine-tune your language and to test yourself and grow. Yeah. If, if, if I could give you that choice, which would you choose? Well, what did you do? Did you go on your English schoolboy course at 14 and miss the second <laughs> test? Or, I, am or, going, or, I am going back to Arundel. I am. Or, or do you or do you say look look do both <laughs> do both you know what I mean why thanks, not mom. That's, why not that's, you know it's the same old thing cover, cover every base yeah. enjoy life do as much as you possibly can you know I, I went to my mum and dad when I was moving out to Valencia and I'd never moved away from my mum and dad my, my wife had never moved away from her mum and dad and I went to them and I said we're going to Valencia we're taking your grandkids taking your daughter-in-law we're going to Valencia first time we're going to move mm. go for it wow we probably left the house and they probably cried their eyes out mm-hmm. go for it what a challenge we'll come out every weekend easy jet fly twice a day blah 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 my dad bought 14-15 flights the next day 
Never turn down a challenge. Never turn down an opportunity to better yourself, to spread your wings. And, and it's funny, really, because my son was in Manchester City's academy. The decision to go to Valencia was made by my son and my daughter, not really? by me. It was a family decision. It wasn't just affecting me, this one. No. I, was, I was playing with my kids' lives. My, my daughter was in the health system here. She's, she's disabled. My son was at Man City, highly thought of. Took him out to Man City, might not get back in. Football career might be over, 13 years of age. I've ruined it, look back. So I sat them down and I said, right, we've got two options. We stay in England, nothing changes. We go to Valencia, learn a language, learn a new culture, have a brilliant life experience, learn another type of football that will stand you in good stead for the rest of your life. My son said, we have to do this. Unbelievable. I said, why do we have to do this? He's at that stage about 13, 14. 13. When you're having that discussion. 13. We have to do it. That's an extraordinary response. And and I said, look, we can change our mind. We have to go for it. Spanish football is the best. Spanish football will teach me uh, more than more than what I'm learning at Man City at the moment because not more. That's the wrong thing to do. Will will give me another string. Yeah, yeah. We'll add to it. I've always wanted to learn another language, and if I can learn another language, and he quoted that Spanish was the third most spoken language in the world. So if I've got English and Spanish, I've covered. I won't be learning uh, Chinese. So I can I can work anywhere in the world. He said I can go to any any university. I can play for any football club in the world, and we went for it. I admire you a lot. I, I, one of the things that I've always tried not to do, but it started with your brother about 20 interviews ago. I don't know. Um, and I always say it's my podcast and I'll do what I like. I often sound probably too full of praise for the people I speak to, but it's my podcast. <laughs> therefore, I'm allowed to say that I admire you. I admire the way you were brought up. Thank you. I admire the way you're bringing up your children. To be entirely honest with you, if the types of people that we're talking about, the parents around Britain who are, develop, who are giving birth to kids who are going to go and play football... Mm can listen to this and learn from that it's not and just take football, basic man. value no I understand it's, it's life it's the foundations and this is not look me and Gary weren't born with any special talent the foundations that we was brought up with at home and at Manchester United were the foundations should be the foundations for any business any family in life hard work integrity determination humility these, these are strong words that are easily said but they're the basis for any successful Richard Branson or Manchester United Manchester United is built on those traditions why has that been eroded because you would accept and and because you you corrected me because I said it poorly that has been eroded in our society in our Mm. country look at look at the foundations of the great Scottish football managers no no question they they had it hard they had the sacrifice usually they were trying to make sure they didn't go down the pits anymore but but it was done through hard work determination and all those those fundamentals Mm -hmm. that Look, you know, you look at Floyd Mayweather. People see Floyd Mayweather with all that in private jets, but do you know what? He's training at 2, 3, 4 in the morning. Ronaldo, Ronaldo gets back from a European game and goes straight to the gym. He's in the gym two, three hours a day on top of his training. The foundations he's got, just because he likes a private jet or likes a cat, that, he's earned that. He's earned that. No, I've got no that. But he doesn't forget the foundations that got him there. Couldn't so agree more. People say to me, and it's not just football, the foundations I'm trying to put into the players that I coach are the, uh, my son and my daughter. It's not just because I want my son to be a footballer. I want him to be successful in life. And yeah. them are the foundations that will make him successful in whatever avenue he chooses. That's why when people say it's just easy to be a footballer or this to be a footballer, well, no, actually the foundations I'm talking about. 
about putting yourself out of your comfort zone, about challenging you and about stressing you and about, about being hard on you. Having the willingness to say at 13, I, I need to expand myself, Dad. Yes, we'll go to a different it, it, country it, it, and leave it, my friends behind and leave my career behind. It was a tear-jerky moment. Unbelievable. Because if you'd have said, oh, I love my friends at Man City. Because yeah. you say, I know you love your friends. We'll stay at Man City with your friends. We are going to Valencia. Tear-jerky. Annie will be listening to this. And when we told Annie that she was moving back to Spain where she was born yeah. and she was about eight... She had told us the week before that her school teacher, who she adored, had come in and said, Class, I'd like you all to prepare the best moment you've ever had in life. And she said, not knowing that she was going to be told a week later that she was going to Spain, Hi, Annie. The best moment I ever had was coming to this school, to mm-hmm. Mosshead Primary. So she told us all that with us knowing that a week later we were going to be saying, So if you're talking about tear-jerking, oh, what no. a cool kid you are, Annie. Yeah. But I genuinely say that seeing as you corrected me, and I, what I wanted to do is hand over praise and wish that people would take and reapply these life attitudes, parenting skills, the environment you create around a house, because that mushrooms out into society. Mm. All I would say is that from when I was growing up to now, everything you've been evincing over the last hour and talking about reminds me of what I saw around me when we were growing up. But it doesn't, when I live afar now, Mm. and I regret looking back at my country, UK, um, after 15, 16 years away and saying it's got worse. It's It's... the values have dropped. I see people saying and doing things that aren't simply stupid. They're damaging. It, it troubles me from afar. Yeah. And if you do what I have done and get caught up and stay for four, five, six, seven, ten years, I fear you'll look back and say the same and say it's better here in general, not just better here after a year and a half or two years. I think that's quite worrying for our country. No, it is. It is. And, and I'd say the place I'm living in in Spain is a lot safer than the place I'm living in England. It feels it. Yeah. Kids are on the streets in Spain. Kids, yeah. kids are on my, in, on my neighbourhood. I see kids at 11 o'clock at night walking around on the bikes. And if I was ever caught on a street corner, my dad would. You know, I, wouldn't, I wasn't allowed. It wasn't safe. But in Spain, it just seems a little bit more safer. It, just, it has that feeling. There's a concept, I don't know if it's been taught to you, but civismo is like civic behaviour. Look after people, look after the... Like the, the bicycles, you know, beaching's a big thing in Barcelona. Mm-hmm. If we had that anywhere... That, you know, they'd be vandalised, they'd be robbed. But, and it's like... <laughs> if your ball goes in the next door garden in England now, the neighbour keeps it, opops it. Yeah. In Spain, they, they collect them all, they've thrown back over the fence, you can go and knock on the door, they invite you in. Yeah, that's true. They invite you in and, and, you know, and have a glass of water or... Come in, come in, where, you know what I mean? You don't have to lock your door. No. Well, you do have to lock your door. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 been, it's been a pleasure to hear my life choice of moving to Spain reinforced. Thank it you. It seems I've done the right thing. But it's been a joy... An absolute joy, as we knew it would be, talking to you. Thanks for your generosity. Uh-huh. And uh, one day we'll do this again. But thank you and congratulations too. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl. 
Let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.